Hi, this is Ryan Hendricks. And Evan Bowles. And you're listening to The Straight Flush, a podcast produced by the Virginia Water Environment Association. Ryan, tell us about today's episode. Yeah, thanks, Evan. Um, Today, we're going to continue on with our Women Impacting Water series. Great. Um, And so today's episode is called A Fresh Perspective, right? And we're joined again with our uh, host, Adriana D'Imperio who is a vice president with the Draper Aiden Associates, and Dana Hargrove, who is a water quality engineer with the Western Virginia Water Authority. And so they sat down today with a young professional that has just entered this field. Her name is Rusty Roulier, and she's an assistant engineer with Hazen and Sawyer, and they just had a great conversation and a perspective that sometimes we don't get to often hear. So with that, let's turn it over to Adriana and Dana. Here we go. Welcome to Women Impacting Water. I'm Dana Hargrove, here again with Adriana D'Imperio, and today we're sitting down with Rusty Rouillet from Hazen and Sawyer to talk about a fresh perspective. Rusty has been in our industry for almost a year at this point, and we're looking forward to talking with her. Welcome, Rusty. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. You know, you've entered our industry in a rather interesting year. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) The understatement of the century. Um, So we'd like to talk through some of the challenges associated with that and how you've overcome those and how you've continued to become so involved and um, thrive so far in the industry, even though it's only been a year. So if you could go ahead, let's start from the beginning. Tell us how you chose water resources for your career path. Yeah. So I actually um, grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and so uh, moved to Virginia right after Hurricane Katrina. And I think that had a lot to do with why I got interested in engineering as a whole to begin with. Did you move because of Hurricane Katrina? We did, yes, yeah. So we we had an uncle who lived in Virginia and my whole family kind of packed up. Um, There's like seven uncles and aunts and we all got together and and drove out here um, and so did you evacuate because of the storm like prior to it or was it after or yeah so we we almost didn't um, there were a lot of storm scares that year and so it kind of gets to a point where you're like oh is it is it really Are you immune this to this <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um, and, and last minute my mom just didn't have a great feeling about it and she was she told all my uncles and aunts she was like we get we gotta get out of here um, and so we really did we all packed up we had, I don't know how many animals, like so many cats and dogs inside of one car, um, just all caravanning. Um, and we got up to like northern Louisiana. Uh, so we were, we were out of the way of the storm that we were really, really grateful for that. Um, didn't have to deal with what a lot of people had to. Um, but we hung out in northern Louisiana for a couple nights. And when we realized there was no going back into the city at that point, um, we called my uncle and we all, we all drove up to Virginia. and. Just hey, hung out coming. here for a while. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly it. We were like, by the way, you're about to have a whole bunch of house guests, so get ready. Wow. Um, and we really did. We all lived in one house for a good amount of time um, until we could all kind of find our own places in, in that area. How, how old were you? I was in third grade. Oh, wow. Um, I don't even know how, how old that would have made me at that point, <laughs> but yeah, I was in third grade. Um, so I, old enough to remember a lot of it. Um, New Orleans is definitely like still like whenever anyone asks me where are you from, it's like New Orleans comes out of my mouth even though I spent probably most of my childhood in Lynchburg after that. So you never really went back. We didn't. We I mean we still have family there um, who chose to go back afterwards, but it was a um, 
it was going to be a complete rebuild and we just, it was easier for us to just stay. Um, and my mom was a single mom at that point. She had two girls and it was a whole lot safer in Lynchburg than it was in, in New Orleans. So I mean, that's fair. So as a third grader, your family's gone through this great change, right? You're up in Virginia. You got to spend time with family, maybe not under the best circumstances, but how did that impact you? Because it seems like this is leading towards how you chose water resources. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was kind of, I, I just saw what what everyone was going through. Um, and like I said, my family was like, we were super lucky. We, we had a an easier time than most people did after Hurricane Katrina. Um, but then, you know, we started school again and in Lynchburg and through the years Katrina would come up in different classes and you talk about the the natural disaster that happened um and we got to the point where you start learning that it was a bunch of you know engineering issues that that caused this you know it was sure it was a it was a hurricane it was a storm but a lot of it was a man-made disaster um and that was kind of when I was like man you know I want to I want to build levees I'm going to build some kind of crazy levee that like makes it so hurricanes can't destroy any city ever again (laughs) Um, so you focused on the things that you could actually control, right? Exactly, you cannot control the hurricane, yeah. but you can control yeah. Yeah. the levees. I like that. Were you thinking about this in um, middle school or high school ages? It was probably like 7th or 8th grade when okay. I really started getting into it. Okay. Um, and I had I had some really nice you know, math teachers and science teachers back then. And they were like, you know, there's this thing called engineering. You should You should think about it. Um, I had no idea what that meant at the time, but I just knew I wanted to, to fix things. Um, and so it was probably in high school when I started like actually being able to, to put a word to that, what engineering was, and talking to my guidance counselor and figuring out where I was going to go to college and all of that. Um, and it was all still driven. I, I wanted to, I definitely started in the in the structures field because that's what I wanted to do. Well, that makes sense, right? If you're focused on the levees and right, right, and that was you know that was all of it. It, it didn't take too long, you know. Fast forward ahead a couple of years to to starting at at Virginia Tech. It didn't take me too long to realize I did not want to do structures. <laughs> it was not for me um, whatsoever. But that you know I was able to fall in love with water through. Uh, through those like intro level classes. So when I realized I didn't want to do structures, water was right there. So how did you pick Virginia Tech? Because, you know, without knowing the background, I would have guessed that you picked Virginia Tech because you wanted to do water resources. But if you wanted to do structural engineering, I mean, I don't know much about their program there for that. Yeah, it was actually, you know, um, when I was back, when I was applying for classes or applying for colleges, I think LSU was my my top choice. So oh, I was you going to go I back. Was, I was going back to Louisiana. That was the plan. Um, I, and I wanted to I wanted to explore. I wanted to get away from my family for a little bit. Like just you know, most people do. But we start off that way. Exactly. I did the same thing. Exactly. It's like, and I'm then on West Coast. I and didn't. then you just never want to leave. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like I'm so glad I didn't. But um, so it wasn't really on my radar. But everyone was like, why don't you apply to a couple of like more local schools and and you know see where you go. I had no idea. Um, I had no idea Virginia Tech was known for engineering when I was applying to Virginia Tech. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, man, I'm getting into an awesome engineering school. Like I'm so proud of that. It was, it was after I got into Virginia Tech that people were like, no, like that's really good. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get get education there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, So and and I don't 
think I know exactly what that deciding factor was between like Virginia Tech and LSU. I think Sometimes I was just a feel. That's what everyone yeah. says the feel, and you don't really know it until you go on the campus and you get the feel. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I'm definitely glad I chose it. I love love the time I had at Virginia Tech. So was there a particular course that first year you were talking about? migrating over to water was there anything in particular yeah so I would say that first year is um a lot of your like gen ed so there's not you know a ton but we did take um probably I think it'd be my second year Mm -hmm. would probably be where that kind of thought process came in we took that intro to civil engineering class and you kind of explore the different uh subdisciplines um and at the same time I was taking uh, certain math classes and realized that there's there's certain kind of math I liked and certain kind of math I didn't like and it was <laughs> I uh, I wasn't I wasn't gonna do buildings I knew that I wasn't gonna do buildings and because of that I probably wasn't gonna be working on levees but that was okay because there was this other field that was really interesting um, and so and and that was kind of also at the same time when I you know started realizing that we had certain professors at Virginia Tech that were amazing in this field you know in in the water field um and I also at that point like so I kind of started leaning towards water um but I had no idea if I would go like water or environmental or you know I didn't know there was a difference um so it was really just me getting interested in it um and I think a lot of my classes in college went like that, where like I would get interested in it, and then I have to know everything about it. Like that's, that's what my... college is for, right? So you can explore these different paths. Exactly, but you just you get into it, and you just you get to the point where like I have to know this, you know what I mean? And that was what water was. I was like, I need to know how this works. I need to know the background. I, you know, and and that's really what probably drew me into it the most. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> you just kept going. <laughs> so you get to this point, you're loving water, and then you're getting close to graduation. Did you pursue more education after, or did you graduate and come straight into the workforce? Yeah, so I did um, stay at Virginia Tech and got my master's degree. Um, And at the time, I didn't know. I think, you know, I kind of wanted a PhD at that time. I thought I would would stay the long haul and and do it. I think I realized after my master's that I wanted to get into the workforce and started doing some like you were hands. ready. I was I was ready for some hands-on experience, you know. Yeah, there's only so much textbook experience you can get, <laughs> um, but at least at that time. Now I'm like ready for more textbook experience too, on top of everything. But well, you can do it at the same time, right? When you get on different projects, you exactly. Can continue. Your you're education. always learning. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you're learning every day. That was my thing when I was in school or before I got out, is I wanted a job where I could learn something new every day and it stayed interesting so it wasn't the same every day. And that's I think you can definitely say that about our industry. Oh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> without without a doubt. <laughs> so you found that. What Did you do thesis work with your master's? Yeah, so I did. Um, I actually started during my undergrad working on a project uh, on point-of-use filters, so like your, your Brita and Pure filters, um, and just kind of carried that through with my master's and, and finished up some of that work and wrote my thesis on that. Now, when you have this thesis, were you able to leverage your thesis work when you were looking for a job afterwards? I definitely think that's a good talking point, you know, and it's relevant. Um, I mean, filters in general are relevant in our field right now. They're becoming more relevant, um, but not just the specific research either, like just the the background, the um you know, the writing experience, technical writing, um, walking through an experiment, planning an experiment, um, leading a team. So those kind of things were, were good talking points when I was, you know, trying to find a, a job at the time. But. So that's an excellent way to frame it because I feel like there's been so many instances where you talk to 
um, graduate students or even undergraduate students who have done this work, and it's in a hiring capacity. I've gone to a couple career fairs. And you ask a question about a thesis, and it's very hard to give a concise, um, I guess, answer on that because a lot of times they just know so much about it. Right. And I think that's something that you have to practice. And it sounds like the way that you projected that is to relay it to what that you would be doing working for somebody, which right, is an exactly. excellent way to do it. You know, the project <laughs> management, you know, the little elevator speech, the 30 seconds about what it is, but then the different roles that you played and how you can apply that. That's excellent. That's something that I think everyone should practice before they go into any sort of job interview of any sort. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us about, you know, we know that you're working for Hazen and Sawyer, which is a consulting firm. Mm -hmm. How did you make that decision? Because typically water resources students come out and you can either go a utility route or you can go a consulting route. And this is something that Adrienne and I have talked about. And we have both worked for, you know, both utilities and consultants. How did you make that decision? Yeah, so I definitely didn't have a... um like a, a, a drive either either way um, at first. But I did, um, you know, go to career fairs and kind of meet different companies and, and whatnot to try to figure out where I wanted to be. And it just happened to be that I met a, an awesome representative from Hazen. I was able to come meet the people. And I, I think it's just that feeling. Like, I, I talked to the people. I, I visited the office. I was like, this is the kind of work that I could see myself doing. And it just kind of felt right. So... No. So let me ask you this. Did you have all this lined up before COVID? I did, yes. Okay. Yeah, and um, that was a blessing because I know a lot of people had a really hard time once once COVID sank in because it wasn't as easy if you're going to a career fair in person versus uh, a career fair online or through video conferencing. Zoom, yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just not the same. Um, and that was, you know, that was one of the big selling points for me was, was the people. And when you don't get to meet the people face-to-face, it, it's, I'm sure it's got to be challenging. But, yeah. So you graduate, and then you start in an office. And not many people are in that office. No. <laughs> but did you start in the office? I did. I came in for two weeks. In yeah. July? In, um, yeah, the beginning of July. For... So COVID had started in March. Mm-hmm. So July 2020. You're in for two weeks, and then did you get sent home after that? Or yeah, I think there was like a couple other people in the office, and that was it at the time, maybe. And um, and it was just uh, it was just okay. Like now you got your laptop, you got your computer, you can set oh, it up at your no, at your home go. office. <laughs> yeah, you should be set. <laughs> right. I love. Well, so one of the hard things. I guess the great things and the way that you succeed in consulting is knowing who to ask what question and how to get work done and spearhead that yourself. So how do you navigate that when you can't meet people face to face? How do you figure out who to call when you have a question about a specific, you know, a specific item in in your design? Yeah. And I'll say like that was, I think, probably the biggest challenge those first couple of weeks, maybe in the first couple of months, Um, not even like who to contact necessarily, but feeling comfortable enough to, to just get on mm. Zoom and call someone, because it's different, right? You can't just walk around the corner and be like, hey, by the way, I have a question. Well, um, you Zoom called them. You didn't even just pick up the phone. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess for us, we have teams, and you can see everyone's mm-hmm. bubble, right? So oh, okay. I'm, I'm waiting for their bubble to turn green. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to bother them for a couple <laughs> of minutes. I hope they're not annoyed. I'm calling them every three seconds. Um, but... Everyone was in the same, like, it felt completely new to me, and I felt like I was probably the only person in the boat, but, like, everyone was in the same boat. Everyone who'd even been at Hazen for, 
you know, many years. So I started realizing that I could just call them and, and everybody was okay with that or message them. Um, but it is certainly different, you know. That's hard. That is that's oh tough. Gosh. But I can't it sounds even like imagine you imagine starting a job like that. Yeah, it was weird, but much less her first job. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it gets you over the hump of shyness very quickly, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Are yeah. you typically a shy person, or are you typically pretty outgoing? I am. I would say I'm pretty shy until I like really get comfortable and get to know people, um, which I think is one of the challenges when you're not in the office because you don't get to know people as fast as you would, um, you know, if you were. But but once I start talking to everybody, I get really comfortable and. That's when I feel okay to reach out to everyone and figure out what's going on. It's going to be crazy for you when we start having conferences again and you go there and actually put a face to all these names. I know, I know. It's so it's going to be so odd. Um, I, I tell everybody, I feel like uh, even once we all start working back in the office again, I'll feel like it's like I'm new to the job a second time because right. like, I have to meet all of these people that I've been talking to. But, you know, even just like the team's picture, it's different than talking to someone well, some with people have a, team, like a picture from 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, Can you update this? Because I can't. I can't. They find look completely like different. <laughs> yeah. No, that's wonderful. But another thing that you seem to have excelled at and had no problem with, despite all the challenges, is getting involved in our professional organizations, our volunteer organizations, VA, AWWA, and VWEA. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved into those and what you're doing? Yeah, I um. So I think one of the biggest things once I started working um, was just a, a need to make sure that I, I was learning and that I was keeping up with uh, the most recent you know, research and the most recent topics and stuff like that. So I did try to just stay involved with all the AWWA, VWEA emails and look through them when they came in. Um, and that was kind of how I started getting plugged in to things, even like young professionals, um, just seeing an email come through and saying, hey, do you want to help out on this committee? Um, and getting involved. I'm helping out plan the, the poster contest for Water Jam. And um, just getting plugged in that way and, and meeting people that way, even if it isn't face-to-face yet, um, has been really, really nice. Yeah. So do you have people that you've met at other consulting firms and other utilities right now that you're pretty comfortable with? Have you have you gotten to do any of the networking events associated with those or the young, young professionals in particular? Yeah, I actually just recently did one... Um, and it was over teams. <laughs> I recently did one um, over teams, which was which was good. Uh, it, it still isn't the same, though. You know, I, I can't wait until, until I can meet these actual people in, in person. Well, hopefully Water Jam. Are you going? I, I am going to Water Jam. Yes, yes. Oh, you're going to love that. I am so excited. It's actually the first year it's working out for me to actually get to go. I was supposed to go to Water Jam um, a couple of years ago. It was the year that hurricane came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last minute. So there's a theme in this? Yes, yes there <laughs> there's is. There's some hurricanes there involved. Is. They followed me all the way to Virginia. <laughs> but oh, um, yeah, last minute the professors were like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't maybe go. stay safe. Yeah. yeah. So you're involved in YPs? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. And I'm hoping hoping to get more involved, you know, as, as time goes on and, like, as things start happening in person again, I think um, I think it'll be a great Great way to get plugged in with everybody. I, we agree. We're both pretty active on, on those fronts, and we found it to be invaluable in terms of both personal career and, you know, creating teams and working together and collaborating. So I guess as we start to wrap up, you know, we've had a wonderful conversation to this point. Has your one year in BWA and um, our lovely industry has it been everything you hoped for when you wanted to decided you wanted to do water resources? 
Yeah, you know, I don't think I knew what I hoped for. Did but you know what you would do day to day? Because that is the one question I get. Oh, like, no. What do you do day to day? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. And even when you ask people, right? Even when you ask people like to explain what it is they do day to day, it doesn't make sense until you're actually, you're doing, actually it. doing it. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it really is incredible. I I think that those first, like I said, those first couple of months in COVID, things were really stressful because it was more of like starting a new job and getting acclimated. And I think I focused more on, am I meeting enough people? Am I doing a good enough job? And now it's just, I come into work and I love what I'm doing. And that's that's where we got, so it's good. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, we're so happy that you chose Water Resources and that you're part of our industry. And we thank you so much for your time today and talking with us. And we hope to continue to see you and all of the volunteer efforts that you're involved in as you grow and learn more in this industry. Thanks for sitting down with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. What a fabulous conversation with Rusty. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was a great um, conversation. It was amazing to hear the perspective of a young professional who just entered this field, might I add, entered this field during a pandemic. Right, right? yeah. Um, and, and and she's just representative of a lot of young professionals and what they had to navigate in this. That's true, um, yeah. So, just a great conversation. Um, gives me a lot of hope for uh, for the future of our industry because we've got some amazing young professionals. Um, so uh, gr- great job, uh, Adriana and Dana. And I just can't wait to hear more from this series. Right, right. So we'd like to uh, thank Adriana, Dana, and Rusty Royer for uh, joining us today and, and hosting this great episode. And uh, that's it for today. So if you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're a VWA member and have an idea for an episode, please contact us at podcast at VWA.org. Thanks again for listening to The Straight Flush. Thanks, everyone. The Straight Flush is a proud production of the Virginia Water Environment Association and its members. This podcast is co-produced and edited by Ryan Hendricks and Evan Bowles, with theme music composed by Evan Bowles and art by Corey Bowles. The content contained in the podcast you just heard reflect the views and opinions of the podcast participants and do not reflect the views of the Virginia Water Environment Association or associated affiliates. The Straight Flush is presented for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to serve as a basis of any action or recommendation. Thanks for listening to The Straight Flush.